0: Hello once again it's me Ambassadikane from UCCC, Triple C together with my colleague um hi Johan and welcome to another episode Thanks
1: thanks you yeah it's always a pleasure and always nice to nice to talk about things that that's important and have some interest to individuals mm. so yeah thanks
0: I love this platform by the way I think it's a great platform and As usual, I want to thank you again for your contribution to such important topics. So um, today our topic is going to be centered around um, SMMEs yet again. And what we're looking at here, the subject would be looking at tenders versus pre-plan versus final forecast. So... This is just to assist with the financial growth of a business and create sustainability. And it's not only important to get a project awarded to you, but also to manage the project with systems and procedures which work and to be able to identify problems early enough in order to minimize losses or on the flip side to maximize those profits. So to manage the financials of a project, there needs to be a budget or base against what the actuals are measured and managed. And with that being said, Johan, what's the preferred methods or systems which the industry uses to create a budget or budgets?
1: Okay, I think in in, in, uh, in the industry, obviously larger companies deal with things a bit different, but the basis should remain the same for you know smaller companies as they as they grow. Um, but my my experience and I'm sure your experience as well in the industry. Um it's it's important to firstly set up a tendering system. In other words, a system where you're where you price your BOQ items accurately and obviously with sufficient detail in order to use that that specific information, that detailed information when the project is awarded to you. I think that's that's the That's the need for it, in essence. That tender uh, or offer that's been accepted, that would be your budget of first instance, if I I can call it that. So that would be your initial budget as such. And then secondly, and obviously it's dependent on the project size and the duration of the project, you will need to re-tender the project. Because this is, in in the industry this is sometimes called a, a pre-plan, and uh, this would be done when you commence the project, as you will be much, much more be aware of your risks, your challenges that you that you've got in productions, the material prices, team sizes, you know, actual resources that's required, and obviously also your methods. Uh, you will be implementing to execute the works, just to mention a few. But as I said, at, dependent on the on the size of the project, the length or the duration thereof. And then it can be decided, okay, will if it's a shorter duration, I'll wait two weeks or a month. If it's longer then say, three weeks, just to start with it and get the flow of things and looking at, uh, you know, going through detail again uh, in, your, in your documents and obviously getting a feel of what's happening happening out there and on the ground. So then this retender or reprise or pre-plan, this, this in essence will become your plan of how you want to execute the project and how you will spend the money and how you will uh, get paid. So this includes estimate, estimated cost as well as estimated revenue. And the answers in this document will with with without any doubt, be different to what the tender figures uh, stated. Or that yes. Budget, because there's, obviously you've got more information now. You've got a better feel for things, um, so it will be different, up or down. But it will be different. You won't. You will not. It will not be the same. Then, then subsequent to this pre tender or pre plan of yours, then a final forecast will be done on a weekly or monthly or quarterly basis, and again dependent on the size and the duration of the project and if it's bigger companies on the, what's required from the risk management team and so on. So, yeah, so that's that's in short it.
0: You, you mentioned something about, depending on the size of a project and duration, one may need to retender the project. What do you actually mean by retender the project?
1: If you, if, and again, I need to qualify a bit dependent on the size of the project and the duration, but what it in essence means is that you will maybe have a different person or a department that will do the tender or the estimating for the tender. And then that tender or offer will then be accepted by the client and the contract will be signed. So that would be your basis of your contract price as such. But then that gets handed over to the team or the site team that needs to execute the works, plan it and execute it. They've got yes. maybe a different method of how they want to deal with certain activities or sections of the works. It um they will maybe see if they two or three months into the project, they will see that maybe there's not the required skills for a certain labor labour category, or mm-hmm. production rates are maybe faster or slower than what was estimated at tender stage. So they will The site team will then do a repricing of it, of all the activities. They Uh will will get new or not new. They will get uh, quotations again for some uh, material. Maybe they've got another supplier that they want to use or see if it's cheaper. Or maybe they can get it faster onto site, things like that.
0: The next question I've got is now, say, for example, there are three parts of a project budget as such, which is the tender number one, and then the retender being the second part or the pre plan, and then a the final estimate. So, let's start with the tender. What is your advice on how the pricing should be set up for the tender?
1: As we said a lot of times, back to basics. So, <laughs> so um, the basics of tendering and the setup uh, is Explained in detail in our course called "Estimating uh, the Basics," but let me—I'll I'll give some—you know—some examples, which are obviously my preference, as it works, and according to to me, in any event, it works. So, but what is important is that the basics needs to be set up correctly. In other words, that sheet that you use in pricing pricing of the works. So the processes and procedures can then be further developed. And if I say processes and procedures, the processes and procedures within the company or within the within the entity, and then that can be developed as growth happens and uh, requirements change. Because requirements does change as a company grows and gets bigger. I think one one important thing, and we did mention in one of our other other podcasts as well, is that. Fancy software is not is not required uh, if you do estimating work. You can do it in a normal, you know, a normal Excel spreadsheet. Um, it are, it does take a bit longer because you need to set it up, which the software already makes provision for. But you don't have to go and go, especially in the early days. You don't have to go and spend a lot of money. Just to have Excel, and you can sort yourself out. Let me start on how I will set it up and um let me just emphasize again that this is very basic so it's important to to list everything that you will be using in a specific activity and i always use this example but let me use the trench excavation example um, if you look at that activity you will need for example like tlb operator you will need fuel you will need general workers you will need a supervisor um, as as basics so ap- apart from the hourly rates uh, the consumption and the production that you will use to calculate your rate it is advisable to categorize each of these items so in other words dlb as a plant item general working uh, general workers and supervisors as labor and the diesel as fuel for example so you'll you'll set up each pricing pricing sheet in the same manner at tender stage so it's nice and categorized and uh, this information can then be consolidated for all the items that is priced in the boq and you can get the following or you can get some you know information from that and that information will be things like the total tlb or planned hours the estimated cost uh at tender stage uh for for those specific items Total uh, general workers' hours, uh, the estimated cost for that, for all the BOQ items, again, same for supervision and the same for your fuel. So you will, in essence, be able to say so many man hours you will need, so many litres of fuel you will need to excavate that specific length of trench. And if if your project maybe contains some cement, you will also be able to establish what the total bags of cement is and also the cost for um for that uh, cement that you will require for the for the project so you'll have a nice you know nice feel I want to say nice overview of of the project what is required and this is this can be done you know for for every resource material on the on the project in accordance with the bill of quantities or the quantities in the boq So if you set it up like this, then it's easy to extract the information for each item of work. And obviously, this is important once the project starts and also to monitor and compare actual cost with allowables.
0: Now, say the project is awarded and you are armed with the tender prices and the detail. You know, obviously, the site team needs to try and stick with those productions and the team sizes, the rates and so on to ensure a profit at the end of the day. But the tender does not really provide you with information of where you are going. And what I mean here is that once you're on site, things can be different to what was anticipated at the tender stage. The same supplier say for a TLB does not have a machine available when you need it and you go to a different supplier, which is more expensive. So you'd also find that at times maybe you've priced your diesel, say about uh, 20 rand a litre, and it's now increased to 22 rand and so on, you know. What's the next step to map out the project financials to completion then?
1: Yes, QD. Now the tenders, uh, as you said, is the initial budget, which indicates the original original financial plan as such. But it does not provide... Um, an indication of where where you are actually going um, when the project starts. Yeah, and, and, and as you as you said, I mean things change. It's construction. Um, I think if everything remains the same, then you must start to worry because then something yeah, something true. is lining up to happen. <laughs> uh, so. You need to do a, you know, the retender or the pre-plan, as we said in the early stages of the project, and um, by doing that, the, you will empower the, you know, the the, the site and the stakeholder stakeholders of the contractor um, with the knowledge of what to expect and how the team wants to do it and where they will eventually or planning to end up financially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this, this needs to be done you know, by the people on site. So, they make the plans and they tell management this is what we're going to construct. This is how we are able uh, or how we are going to do it. This is what we will need. And this is the profit or the loss that we will make. So, then it's out in the open, and there's a clear financial execution plan of uh, where the site team sees where they're going. Um, And historically, I found that the best way to do this is to do it on a resource-based forecast. And this means that you need to know exactly which activities you will uh, need to perform, what resources and how many you will require for each. And if I say each, I mean each activity and also the durations, which is obviously required. So in other words, what you, what your plant will be, what the equipment, what type of labor, the vehicles, the fuel, accommodation, PPE, security, subcontractors, salaries, I mean, even airtime. Everything, everything needs to be, or needs to form part of that calculation and detail. Yes, it takes a lot of time. Definitely does. But it I think what it also is doing is that it, you know, it gets the thinking juices, <laughs> it gets that to flow because you will really uh, apply your mind of how you're planning to do this thing and you yep. will need to think of everything. doesn't matter how small you think it may be. Think of it, put it pen to paper and work with that.
0: Mm.
1: So I think yeah, I think as I said historically that that definitely gets the guys or I'm saying guys including all the ladies involved <laughs> in the project yes. get them really really you know sitting down and thinking about it so I think that's a very very important step in the process um yeah, if you if you've got the sheet, if you if you started that with the resource-based forecasting, but I've also um, seen uh, over the past well, probably a whole lot of years is that make sure that that sheet also includes for a comparison um, between this re-tender or pre-plan that you do and the initial tender. Now you can just categorize it into your. Into as a, as we said, your labor, plant, material, uh, because then you can also uh, draw a comparison between what you see now and what was estimated or envisaged at tender stage. So um, you can you will be able then to pick up where's the where's the big differences? Is it hours? Is it duration bounds? So so it will give you a very good idea of where there was maybe an estimating problem. Or where there is a benefit, for example, uh, on on the on the comparison. So yeah, it's, it gives you a very good idea. Um, and the rates, the rates that you use against the items uh, in the in the resource-based forecast is obviously the the actual or the current rates. So you, if you do not have the actual rates for it at that specific point in time, then I normally say and say it's best to request quotations and use those to ensure that you have the latest price for that. If you don't have it, then a view can be taken, but that must be made very clear in your re- resource-based forecast. If you can be taken and say, listen, okay, for the items, if it's material or whatever it is, and you haven't got an actual or current rate for it, it's advisable to use your rate if it was based on a quote, another thumb suck right? at tender stage, use that rate and apply a, a uh, escalation you know, percentage or factor to that, you know, just to be on the safe side. And then if, if the project duration goes over a month in which the annual increases for, let's say the hourly paid people or salaries are given, then the, these increases must also be allowed for. I know sometimes that's forgotten, um for example the the lab, the labor when that annual increases happens that needs to be if it's the month of September or October that for your monthly or that those resource based forecast those increased rate needs to be allowed for if you if you uh give increases on salaries once a year then make sure that's also allowed for this is just some uh, I mean I say simple stuff but this is the you know basic things I'm not going into a lot of a lot of detail but just basics mm-hmm. Another example would be if if, uh, if you envisage penalties or delay damages, then you need to include for those those type of things uh, those type of things as well. The pricing for that, obviously, they will have a you will have your anticipated program or your planned completion, um, which is normally referenced in the in the document or contract that you're working with. So you'll do your program and you will see, okay, my planned completion is not june anymore it's september now so you'll be in for penalties let's call it july august and say september so three months and you normally they do the penalties or delay damages per calendar day so you go and have a look at say if it's 90 or 91 or 92 calendar days you gonna work it out do a calculation for it and slot that in into your um uh, resource-based forecast
0: so that means then your total estimated cost would be done and then it's split either per week or per month, which then adds to the total. So I would think that the same type of exercise is done for revenue as well. Am I correct? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, you you're correct <laughs> in saying that. You've dealt with the cost oh. now, which is, uh-huh. the, which is the downside. And which is the downside of the project? <laughs> yeah. Then, then you need to go through the same type of exercise with your with your uh, with your revenue. Okay. And I I normally refer to it or think of it as a type of a preliminary final account. So important, and again, it's a lot of work. Not just the cost; it's also the revenue. Because you need to understand exactly, uh, you know, what what you need to construct the detail of it. So you you, you take your drawings and you measure the quantities uh, of of the drawings uh, for for your scope, and then you slot those quantities into your BOQ with your contract rates, and then you've got your estimated uh-huh. revenue. Now, I think maybe let me just mention this as well, Q, is that whatever quantities you've used or you, your quantities that you use in your BOQ is obviously the quantities that you need to base your, your cost on and your duration, uh, your program on. Otherwise, you, you're not comparing apples with apples. That, that may be a problem. Not maybe, that will definitely be a it problem. It
0: will be, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So if you, if you, if you measure the uh, kilometer of trench, then you need to, your cost that you, that you, that you calculated, you also need to base your cost on that one kilometer and obviously your d- duration as well, just to give one example. So the other thing is that, um, have a look if the project attracts, um, cpi or, or cpa your um it's normal what your, your normal your escalations if there's something something of that nature and this must also form part of your estimated revenue uh so the question may be if you're sitting physically sitting down and doing it then you ask but what must the indices be on which you calculate your your uh, cpi or your cpa and um because, I mean, nobody can look into the future, but you must take a view on it. At least take a, take a view on historical uh, indices of what those parts have done and put a forecast in for each month, take a trend, because there's no other way that you can, that you can do it um, to be on the safe side, obviously. Um, then if, you, if you're if you not sure on certain revenue items and let me use provisional sums as an example, okay. uh, maybe there's not a drawing or anything, just a, obviously a provisional sum that's there, then take a view on it and make sure that you have also allowed for cost for those revenue items. If there's a provisional sum in it, say yes, they will most probably do it. If it's 50,000 Rand, then allow the cost for for that as well and at what cost do you if it's a provisional sum of fifty thousand allow the cost of of 50 uh, fifty thousand because normally there would be a percentage taken on it for uh, your overheads and 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 um your profit um okay. but again make, make a note of it so that it's clear to everybody this is what's been allowed for and the the revenue is um it's better to split it, you know, based on the program of, of what you've done and say, listen, okay, this is what you what your planned program is. Base your revenue on that program into months or weeks, depending on how you want to deal with it, and the same for the cost. And this will obviously indicate how you will need to perform on a monthly basis as well, what needs to happen. And what it also does if you split your uh cost and your revenue as you will receive your revenue in which actual month and also the cost you can have a have a nice cash flow as well of forecast cash flow of um, when you will probably be short on on some cash or where you will have some cash which you can which you can hold back for the drier months so yeah once this is done then you can calculate your profit or loss and i think what is important is that this can be set up to compare for example the new estimated cost of labor your plant your salaries and so on with the tender allowables uh, as well so you can do those comparisons and then you can see also you know where the where's the culprits for losses uh if they if it is a loss or where the big money items are so it will also um, assist with you know future future tenders to get it a bit more accurately and become a bit more competitive in the market. So there's lots of um, you know analysis that you can do with this information um, which will which will assist which will assist the company um, in being uh, say in, be, in getting the, the estimated cost right um, at tender stage.
0: Yeah,
1: and you've got this. Then obviously, it's a it's a document can be presented to the stakeholders of the project. Uh, they can go through it, ask some questions, do a bit of sanity checks, and um, so I think it's uh, also good for you know for communication, uh, and it also allows for some good debates. And I think what it also does is that the um, apart from the debates that can happen is that it. It allows an individual who hasn't done that resource based forecast maybe to bring in a completely new idea of how to do or how to execute the works, maybe a different method.
0: Yes, so yes. I
1: think it also allows for that, which is which is very helpful.
0: I was actually just thinking that it's as you said earlier on, it it. it invites people to apply their minds those members of the team or stakeholders who are involved but also as you make this point that others can bring maybe other views or alternatives so there's a lot of intentional um, thinking and methodologies that can come out of this exercise when one takes the time to go through it thoroughly I guess.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's very it's very healthy um, between the individuals as well, and um, mm. so yeah. Then apart from the from the workload to get to that specific point in time, it it's without any doubt beneficially for everybody. Yeah.
0: Not only looking at the production performance, but also looking at the financial performance. Mm.
1: No, exactly, exactly. And um, apart from all the others, this is a document that really, really, uh, you know, assist companies.
0: So say, for example, now, uh, a project stretches over a couple of months, let's say maybe about eight months after this retender or pre-plan has been agreed within the project team. Would you say that it's advisable to update this document, for example, on a monthly basis?
1: Look, the that pre pre-plan or the retender becomes your your I wanna <laughs> I will call it the Bible, you know what the how the project uh, or how the team said the, the project will uh, be executed and the financials around it. <laughs> so, um, I, and again, I think this is a, a personal, personal view of mine, uh, and it, it, it may be taken up a bit different or some different views out there. But according to me, this retainer or the pre-plan uh, should be a fixed document because this is now, that document is the final budget against what the performance is, is measured of, of the guys on site or, or the people on site. But what needs to happen on a weekly or monthly basis, dependent on the size of the project or the duration of it, you need to take your actual cost at that point in time and do a forecast on the remaining works. So in other words, the revenue and the cost. And again, this is this is construction. Things change and it does mm-hmm. not go according to what was planned or how it was planned or reductions or materials or plant or whatever so it's always good to take your if it let's use a, a monthly one you can do it mm-hmm. quarterly dependent on the project but let's say monthly you take your actual cost and revenue for that up up, you know, up to that point because then it will have your historical uh, figures in in the uh, uh, forecast as well. Do updated forecast at intervals which you know, suits the project type and the duration and compare the latest forecast with the retainer or the pre-plan. And if the latest figures are substantially different from the retainer or the pre-plan, then obviously the stakeholders must be notified immediately. Look, and I think I've touched on it a bit earlier, but I contractor mustn't just think, okay, this is a lot of work, and the team can rather, you know, just focus on executing the project scope of works and finish the project. Mm. Yes, it's important because that's eventually what, pay, I want to say, pay the bills. Yeah. But these these type of reports or documents, you know, assist in building a company so that the company can become sustainable from from this information you will be able to establish exactly where the tender was priced correctly and where you went wrong you will be able in assessing the data you will be able to do that it will ensure that the site team members get to know the project uh, in the early stages Uh, they will get to know it in detail and I mean all aspects of the projects, the drawings, the scope, the conditions of contract, the risks, the methods, uh, methods of construction, all of that, because as we said, they will sit down and they will apply their mind. Um, the other thing is it enables the team to identify potential problems or you know challenges very early. The other thing is it allows the team to take responsibility for their actions. You know, this, this builds character and worth. So... Yeah, I think that's very very important.
0: Then, you know, in your experience, what are the pointers that you can give when doing these types of estimates or forecasts?
1: You know, start with it very early in the uh, during the project life, because that will be even not you know it will not be even early enough if you start early. Because there's always time constraints as you also go on with other works. And and I'm talking, you know, the whole construction team. Start with Mm. it early. Because it is a lot of man hours that you need to put into it. Um, And, you know, sometimes not sufficient time is spent on the detail of the documents. Spend time on it as it may help to not cry later during the project. Spend the time, put the mm. hours in because it will it will definitely be of a benefit to you. And it's important not to forget that the financial outcome you know, of the project is very dependent on the skill with which the forecasting or the planning, I'm saying planning, the, the budget, the programming, the resource allocation and controls are handled. That attention must be given to checking on the way these tasks are accomplished, meaning that the Know that the senior people on the site must assist in this process and get their hands a bit dirty in the detail as well, because they the people with the experience. Um, so it's not just a a pen and paper exercise, as we said, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again. It is there to uh, you know get the thinking juices flow, start thinking about it. And um you need some people with experience in the in the in you know the construction process of the actual activities that needs to happen so you need that um, and while doing you know the forecast make sufficient notes um, as you go along because the memory is sometimes a brutal thing that forgets so I always say think about it this way as if an external party picks up that document and reads it Will he understand and know exactly what's what's going on there? So make notes. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's sufficient, you know, just scribbles, just some notes on it. Um, be And be conservative with the income. And again, not too conservative, but be conservative. It must definitely be in accordance with Kultos, uh, the sense uh, 1200 method of measurements, which we dealt with in uh, one of our other podcasts as well. To make sure it's based on that because I mean that's that's it. That is how it gets measured and how you will get paid. Um, if there's a if there's a risk on a, to a specific item, then say listen, this specific amount of this item is a risk. The team can then decide of how they're going to deal with it or how they're going to uh, 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 deal with it in that specific forecast. So if a contract has an escalation provision. Um, and the forecast shows that the project will be completing late. Make make sure that if the contract, for example, states that the uh, escalation will be halved, or there's no escalation applicable for that delay duration, then make sure that the revenue uh, allows for that as a zero or a fifty percent or whatever the contract states happens with that for that delay period. Uh, if the, if the forecast shows that the project will be completing late, make sure that the penalties or the, delayed, the damages are allowed for. Uh, make sure that the productions used are achievable and realistic. doesn't matter. You, you do a forecast of 5,000 linear meters per day and you can only achieve 250. I mean, it's just don't do it. Make sure the uh, productions are, are are achievable with that specific team. And then if you, if you do not have a, a current rate, do not use the tender rate for it. Take the time and get a quotation. If there is not sufficient information to get a quotation, take the tender rate and apply escalation to it and mark it as such. Make sure, put that note in so that everybody knows this is not the actual rate that you're going to pay. This is the estimated rate.
0: You know, as you're going through these pointers, Johan, I'm now starting to wonder about risk. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions regarding forecasts and risks. So you know how some companies make use of the so-called risk register? Is it really necessary, I wonder? And um, even if it is a project of low value or short duration, do you think it's still necessary?
1: You know, every, every project. Should have a, a so called risk regi- register in which yeah. the risks are recorded. No, it's, let, me, let me just stop there quickly. I mean, okay. if you take a an NEC contract, for example, there's yeah. specifically referred to a risk register. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't say this applies to a contract of 10 million Rand plus or 50 million rand or it doesn't say that whenever you execute a project on an NEC contract that is a, 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 a clause that's in it so yeah according to me there should be a, a risk register on each and every every project and um, the needs to record the risks that are current i mean meaning not the ones that have already transpired and have ceased. So just the risk at that specific point in time, and and again for me, in any event, it does not matter the size of the project or the duration. A contract uh, and a company should implement a risk register as it does set the tone for when the company grows, and then that culture is already set. In that that culture of uh doing a risk register or maintaining a risk register is there. Um and again it, it also allows you know the, the, the team to apply their minds to it in sitting and thinking, listen, this may happen, that may happen, this this if I do this, then think two or three steps ahead. What what may happen, what can happen. Um so yeah, so I mean if the, if the projects are of a low value and of a short duration, obviously the risk should uh, also be less, but then the risk register can just be you know simplified. But yes, it is important to have, have that. And I think the important thing for me as well is that if it's a smaller company, it creates that culture of, Mm. thinking about it and implementing that specific register
0: for smaller organizations or small companies it's a great start i've sat in
1: a whole lot of risk meetings in my life and Mm -hmm. i think what it just even if it's no i want to say once a month for 30 minutes or whatever dependent on the on the side of the project but what what it does is that the individuals then know. Okay, listen. There may be let's call it a community risk, you know, for yeah. strikes or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But it will allow the 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 people then to say, and I'm meeting say people, say the individuals that's attending that meeting. Then they yeah. will put somebody on that if there is a CLO that needs to get involved in in the process. Then, you know then there's there's actions that can be taken because you know if if you let's say if you didn't take that action then something may or could happen and just either and maybe even if the CLO um, gets involved maybe it still happens but at least there was a, a an attempt to try and mitigate this potential mm. issue.
0: You know, again, just expanding on these risks, they're usually called risks because it may transpire or it may not transpire. So some risks may be of great concern, which may or will affect program and budget. Um, Some of these risks, you know, they, they can be viewed as contractors' risks and some of them can be viewed as employers' risks. And what I'm actually trying to get to here is that there are different types of risks with different types of severity, and then what is the best way to deal with it in general?
1: Uh, like you always say, and I, I, I always like it when you say it, is that you don't <laughs> know what you don't know.
0: Oh, so, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I always like it when you say it, because it's yeah. is, is so, so, so true. And But anyhow, you deal with these things uh you know, deal with it if you know about it. Deal with it. Can't let sure. it let it stand over. Um, so I normally have two types of risk registers, and sometimes you know I combine that dependent on on our clients' requirements. So one mm-hmm. one would be to, uh, with measures, probability, and likelihood, and impact and severity, and mm-hmm. we we give each one. Uh, each risk, each one of those risks, a number on a scale, which then give you a total number on a matrix. So
0: mm-hmm. then you can
1: you can see high risk, low risk, medium. Um, so th- this this matrix then allows you to deal with it in appropriate, you know, in, a, in appropriate way, uh, and meaning that you will then spend time on the things that matters and not necessarily waste time on things that on a, on a on a risk that's listed which I mean the likelihood is so low and it uh, and the impact or the severity is so low that you don't waste um you know time on it then on on that specific sheet there's also a a, a place where you um which allows you to propose potential solutions to it and provide some details on the effect which is important, uh, you know, for that, for for the discussions around the risks. Um, the other sheet splits risk in topics like, you know, contractual, technical, uh, commercial, um, uh, political risks, administration, resources, and so on. So that's always also a good, um, you know, a, a good risk management tool to have or sheet mm. to have. And uh, each of these with a specific risk then needs to be assessed with an amount uh, and a potential time impact uh, or of probability. Uh, in other words, an estimate of 10% or 75%. Uh, you know that it may transpire. So you will also get a good feel of of where that specific risk lies on a on a list. So, but uh, the, the contractor then you know needs to make a call on this and allow for assessed effect. So, um, yeah, important to to have these type of schedules or lists just to yeah. just broaden the scope a bit.
0: Well, I must say this information that we've just um, discussed in this topic, it may seem like it's quite a lot for, for, for an SMME to get through. But I, as you've already said, if you do it and then you, it becomes part of the culture. But if it happens that you don't have the time or the resources, please know that we are available as Ugu Tembega or UCCC. We can definitely assist you with these registers and we can do a full audit on the company or a project which is a specific one that you'd want us to look at. And we can provide detailed reports on what is deemed the best processes or procedures for that specific project or company. And if you can also just remember, Johan mentioned earlier on that um, there's a lot of man hours that can go into these exercises of your forecasts and doing your risk registers and just maybe just reviewing the risks that um, stand on a project so if it happens that perhaps you don't have enough resources to throw in to get all of that stuff done i believe you know with us based on our experience and the systems that we've got in place at ugutembega we'd be able to do this um without actually having to spend too much time in terms of man hours working on it and obviously it's dependent on the size of a project but it's not going to be like when as a as a as a project owner or SMME you are starting to create these systems and procedures from scratch we would empower you and develop them and share them with you and then they become your property thereafter. So with all of that being said, um, we've come to the end of our podcast episode for today. Thank you very much for taking time to listen. And we certainly are quite excited about what we are sharing and we believe that it is going to assist one or two or even more projects out there to be executed with excellence and um, it takes a lot of time but we are building ways of um, executing projects in an excellent manner and so let's just get our hands dirty get our minds thinking apply our minds and get to it so please do pop us an email at info um, at uccc.co.za again our email address is info at uccc.co.za we really would love to be part of the journey of um, working with different projects and we also just want to give another shout out and thanks to professional cpd professional cpd is our partner they are very much advocates of empowering, supporting, developing and discussing various topics and issues in the built environment. And professional CPD, as the name suggests, they uh, focus on continued professional development. So you may have perhaps a need in your business or on your projects to get um, some professionals to have their professional registrations done, you may just contact professional CPD and they are definitely well equipped to assist you on that journey. So once again, thank you very much, Johan. We value your experience. We value the knowledge sharing that takes place on this platform. And I even, I I totally hope that young graduates gain access and take as much as they can out of this because it's not every day that one would come across somebody like you. Johan was giving so much information. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Till we meet again.